On today's show, it's time to get the perspective from Portland after this Damian Lillard trade because there are many questions to ask. What did the last few months look like? Uh, What did the last 24 hours look like? And what should the reaction be from Portland Trailblazers fan, particularly with all the news and reporting that is coming out now surrounding a man and an athlete that is legendary in that city? So I've got plenty of questions for Mike Richmond. Let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN alongside me from Locked On Blazers, Mike Richmond, a man who we just simply had to talk to after what has gone down over the last 24 hours, whether it's Locked On Bucks or Locked On Blazers, we appreciate everyone making these shows their first watch or first listen of every weekday. So uh, particularly at a time like this, I know there is a lot of interaction, particularly on YouTube. We appreciate it. The comments help. The subscriptions, the the notifications on, all those things help the show. They're free to do. And I think for both franchises now, uh, certainly stepping into interesting periods leading into the regular season. So it's a great time to support both shows, and we uh, we absolutely appreciate it. Today's episode is brought to you by DoorDash. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But, Mike, uh, let me ask you the, the most simple question. Around 24, 30 hours after this trade as we record this, uh, how are you feeling? Because this is absolutely a franchise altering moment and a step away from something that has been an absolute common face of the franchise for the last decade. Honestly, probably relieved is, is, is the name is the main emotion that I'm feeling. Uh, I have been covering the Blazers professionally since 2014. So Dame's second season in the league He's most of what I know. <laughs> he's most of what I know doing this job. He, like he's, he has been such a constant and such a professional. And also he's just been really stinking good for a decade. So he's what I know. But starting in May, April, I think, when it became really clear that a trade was possible when Dame started saying, if they go that route, that's that route is not my route. If he was mentioning in April, he knew it was a possibility. And so we've basically been just um, the good people of Rip City have been dragged <laughs> through this for many months. And so I was maybe selfishly, but hoping that there would be a resolution before media day. So there wasn't this Damian Lillard hostage situation. Um, yeah, I think Blazer fans wanted to get 25,000 first round picks and yes. a young star and all those things. Right. But like. You take at some point you gotta you gotta you know deal with the market that's in front of you. So I think right now, a day later, I am relieved that this saga well, it's not behind us, Kane, but at least it is the the big part has been we've checked the box. We know that Dame is headed to the Bucks. So let's get to the package then, because you did reference that. And I it's always easier from the outside to say, well, okay, well, this is terrible. This is the, they should have got more for Damian Lillard. And there's a lot of factors that go into that, whether it is the age, whether it is the contract over the last few years, perhaps most importantly, the market, as you already referenced, 
uh, Mike, but we've discussed it a little bit on a couple of shows over the last 24 hours. And I, I do think that uh, with uh, DeAndre Ayton, uh, the pick swaps and the first round pick, which could potentially be extremely valuable from Milwaukee down the road. And then Drew Holiday, that looks like there's going to be another trade. It still feels like in the long run, once you get that return potentially for Drew Holiday, that uh, it's a decent haul. So what what has the reaction been around the city and the franchise to the actual trade that went down? I would say a little mixed based on, you know, YouTube comments and some emails yeah. I've gotten. I think a lot of that's that's inexact. Inexact. Yes. I would say my like immediate friend group is pretty excited. Like about f- folks who have my cell phone number are pretty excited about it. Yeah. Personally speaking, as opposed to just like pseudoscience, I'm probably a little lower on DeAndre Ayton than some. I think he's gonna be. I think he's good. I think he's solid. But I don't think he's. I don't see him as this like multi-time all-star generational talent. I think he's like a good, I think he's good. He's good. He's good. And, and it's a nice young player to have on the team. It's, it's so dependent on what they get for Drew when they flip him that I hesitate to say good, bad, whatever. If they turn Drew into multiple picks and somebody in like a young player that helps in expiring money, then yeah, then I think it's like, okay, this was a winner. And Drew Holiday will likely have that value some way, somehow. Well, we can talk about that a little later, but like I thought that they would prioritize young players on cheaper deals and draft capital, and they didn't really do that. I'm willing to wager that the 2029 Bucks pick, like you said, that might be juicy. That might be a mm-hmm. good pick, but it is, it's maybe not the flavor of trade I thought they were going to go for. Well, I think generally when you have these trades and certainly from the Milwaukee perspective, the trade before this was the Drew holiday trade. Right. And so there's instant gratification because you see right in front of you, the prize piece of the trade and maybe moving forward to the future, again, depending on what draft capital potentially or young players you can get for Drew holiday, that might change. But I think that that's probably the hard thing to grasp looking at this from afar. If I'm a Blazers fan thinking, well, maybe the prize piece is five years away from actually being a reality, which in some ways when you lose a player that means so much to the city and franchise, that might feel like a little bit of a letdown. Right. Yeah. And it's hard to say like this sixth grader somewhere in suburban Chicago is the kid yes, I'm so yes. excited about. Right. Like it's, it's, it's not, it's just not, um, it's, it, it's hard to, to know. Like I, I think, once it became clear that the Blazers had kind of zeroed in on DeAndre Ayton and they really valued him and that, that that's who they wanted to get, um, it, it became clear that they were this trade was going to be Phoenix and some other stuff. So then I started to have to like sort of logic my way into okay, DeAndre Ayton's going to be a big part about this. You're not going to get a it, it, Ayton's going to be the prize is how it kind of started to feel like, um, and it, it you aren't going to you might not get other things that aren't the prize. If you could talk yourself into Aiden, and I'm I'm curious your opinion on it. If you could talk yourself into Aiden, then the deal starts to look better because then it's Aiden plus stuff, and that that's exciting. But I, I think just like personally speaking, I'm maybe not super ex- as excited about Da. What what are your thoughts on him from from your perspective? Well, I thought originally going back to when he signed the extension, and I had the conversation with many people as well. I felt that the money number was was very high for a guy that in Phoenix there was a limitation for what 
he was going to be able to be offensively because the opportunities just weren't going to be there. So I am curious to see in Portland whether there is more opportunities and whether there is Absolutely. room for him to expand offensively. So I think it it's a little bit of an unknown. I think it's also challenging when you look at some of the other big men across the league, unless you're talking about Anthony Davis, uh, what is the value? How much money should you spend on a center in, in right. the modern NBA? And I, I think that's a question for DeAndre Ayton. But if, if I'm in Portland now and I'm looking at a, a former first round pick that potentially hasn't had the opportunity to fully spread his wings, I can talk myself into feeling optimistic yeah. about what he could be on a younger team that is uh, most likely looking to, to really start again. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA this year. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, he's like a 2010 guy. So I don't mean to like, yeah. I don't mean to say he's bad, right? I just yeah. am like, I think his, like, like you said, like this, the the threshold for like impactful center on his type of money has got to be like a, you got to be really good. There's two of them that are really good. And Anthony Davis may be the third who doesn't even like to play center. So yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's a, t- a tough threshold. Um, so yeah, like I, I think they did pretty well. I don't think they did poorly. I don't think they screwed it up. I just don't think they're going to, I don't think it was a home run deal, but I think importantly, there might not have been a home run deal out there. There might just, it just might not have been out there because of Dame's age and his salary level and like the types of teams that were going to be after him. And the type of team that was going to be after him is one in which their star player had recently been in several interviews and bullying them to make a trade so they could chase the championship. And luckily Giannis Antetokounmpo had been on his bully game for about a month. So let's get into that because I think the reporting, particularly over the last 24 hours, and there's a a story from Chris Haynes, there's the story from The Athletic and a, a bunch of details. And I think it is fascinating because we've at least explored the idea with Giannis and Lillard, the same in Portland, absolutely beloved in the city. But what happens when you get to this situation? So I want to ask what the reaction has been in Portland and certainly from yourself, Mike, coming up next. But first, we'll talk about DoorDash, uh, today's sponsor of the podcast. And if you need fresh groceries for the week, but potentially you don't have the time to go to the store because you've done about 14 Damian Lillard podcasts in the last 24 hours, then you can try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites and now you can get grocery deliveries uh, that actually deliver on time as well. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find your best in the neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. So get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to 20 bucks value when you use the code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. Uh, This is just for a limited time, so terms apply there. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. All right, make sure you're still checking out the Locked On Bucks and Locked On Blazers podcast right across the weekend. Reaction to this big trade uh, from both sides. Uh, and there's been some fascinating content, let's be honest. We appreciate the support. If you're new to either show, Locked On Blazers or Locked On Bucks, I know there's certainly been some Portland fans in our YouTube comments and for the most part, wishing the Bucks well. And you love to hear that sentiment, but we appreciate the support. So uh, if you haven't done so yet, follow, subscribe, do all those things with the podcast. We appreciate it. So... I think particularly the report from Chris Haynes in Bleacher Report was a fascinating listen, and we all understand the relationship there uh, with those two. And naturally, the story is going to come from the Damian Lillard perspective. I I think we all understand that. 
Uh, how have you viewed the Miami situation? Because, look, I, I'll say this. Even if some people have taken enjoyment out of the uh, disappointment of Miami fans over the last 24 hours, I also do understand why, if you're a Miami Heat fan, you would be frustrated. But certainly from the Athletic Report to the Bleacher Report uh, article as well, the idea of just zero communication, particularly from the early days where Dame said, hey, this is where I want to go. Miami clearly wanted him. How have you viewed all that situation? And and do Miami Heat fans have a reason to be mad? Yeah. Yeah, obviously they have a reason to be uh, frustrated. <laughs> mad might be too far. Frustrated. I think yeah. the the, fr- the frustrate the like why you would be upset is not that they didn't uh, make the trade with the Heat, right? I, I think what the Blazers did, you know, if you assume the DeAndre Ayton part was going to be figured out one way or another, they're going to end up with Ayton. It's just wh- who was the third team? Where was where was Dame going to go uh, to facilitate? I, with with all due respect, I don't think Grayson Allen was the thing that put it over the top for Phoenix. Uh, I don't think I don't think he was the part that. Uh, uh, maybe they wanted his brand of toughness. We'll put it like that. Um, they want, <laughs> but the frustrating part, if you're a Miami Heat supporter, is that Joe Cronin never negotiated. He never came back to Miami and said, "Okay, well, I got this on the table. I'll give you four hours to beat it." Like you know, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this trade. I've, I've got the deal lined up with Milwaukee. We're calling it in at. 2 p.m. If you call me back by 1:30 and we can make a deal. Like he just they talked once according to Chris Haynes and according to some some reporting that's that's locally too. They talked they talked in in uh at Summer League in July. The Blazers and Miami Heat had one conversation and Joe Cronin said, "Nah, I I don't like what you have. I'm out." And that's the problem. It's the shutting them out. It's the ignoring it's the ignoring the Heat and never going back. That seems vindictive right that seems like you have an axe to grind it's not that my like i think you could argue that the that drew holiday's value is so much higher than what would like presumably tyler hero's value would be in the retrade market that he did the right thing but you could do the right thing the wrong way and i think he did the right thing the wrong way probably so we discussed this on the the last podcast we uh, recorded as well but it's it's hard to say from our perspective so i'm curious for you, this feels like when you read the reporting and Portland's, again, Damien Lillard has done so much for this franchise. And I look at it, how would you want negotiations to go if Giannis gets to the point where he's like, hey, I'm going to move on. And I think for the most part, I always look at it, geez, I would love if it goes down that way for Giannis to to get what he wants and to, to go to a situation that, that benefits him because of everything that he's done for the franchise. But this was... As you point to, it feels like the Portland front office say, no, 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 that's, that's not the way that we're going to do things here. And you have to look after the business. So do you think the relationship obviously feels like it soured a little bit between Portland and, and Damian Lillard, the, the business, but how do you think fans are going to view the way Lillard handled this and then the way the franchise handled this? What's your sense for what camp the fans t- seem to be in or even yourself? Yeah, well, first of all, Dame's in a really good spot. <laughs> he ended yeah, up in a yes. really good spot. That's they, right. didn't, yeah. they didn't send him somewhere bad. Uh, he's going right. to play with Giannis Antetokounmpo and probably, you know, like very likely be in that inner circle of contenders. But I think fans, I think there is a, a small but vocal subset of fans that is very happy that Dame didn't get what he wants because he, tr- he handled it poorly and all this stuff, right? Um, sure. 
but I think for the major the majority of fans that I have spoken to, and I think the sort of the the you know my sort of immediate friend group and 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 people who I um people who aren't just like anonymous internet folks, I think they wanted Dame to end up in a good spot, but they didn't want the Blazers to cave. And and I think this, you know, whether they could have gotten a better deal from the Heat if they'd actually negotiated is just like a conversation for literally my podcast. But <laughs> so I'll go do that. But like, I think for the most part, fans will will be a little frustrated with the way that Dame said Miami or nothing. And that felt like it, it, it hurt their negotiating chances, but apparently they didn't negotiate. So it didn't hurt much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think, I think fans will root for him and I think it'll be easy to root for him. Um, you know, Giannis is a little bit goofy and I think maybe his acts doesn't play as well everywhere these days, particularly as he's had a little bit less success, but he's one of the easiest players to root for in the, in the league. Like he's one of the easiest players to root for in the league and watching Dame play next to Giannis, that's going to help. People are going to have no problem. This is not the evil empire. This is another small market that Portland could say, that's right. That's right. A mid-sized city in in the middle of America is going to win a title with Damian Lillard. And they've got Terry Stotts and Pat Connaughton. Like these are our people, right? (laughs) Um, so I, I think they'll have no trouble rooting for him, but I do think there is a little bit of heartbreak with this type of thing. I, I, I wonder, you mentioned this, like thinking about it with Giannis. It's, that was very real, right? For the last month that, that, that you could get to that point with Giannis. He's basically said like in 20, in the summer of 2024, I'll either sign a contract extension or ask for a trade, get ready. And they said, how about we trade for Damian Lord? He said tight. Um, but like, I wonder with him, if he said, you know, uh, I don't know, he's only wants to be a Sacramento King. Would that, would, would you, and do you think Bucks fans would feel obligated to make sure that he was a Sacramento King? I think it, it's, it's hard to, to know, but the one thing that I've already looked at it, it, you know, for Milwaukee, a team that they didn't win a first round series for over two decades I just can't wrap my head around the idea that if Giannis decides that he wants to leave, that this team is going to be a contender anytime in the near future anyway. So I, unless you get back to the draft again and you get lucky or you have a generational first round pick, but Giannis is different, similar to Damian Lillard, that even if you do get a, a number one overall pick that is a superstar, what's the chances that he's going to stay with your franchise for 12 seasons? Right. It, it feels like it's pretty low, particularly in the modern game. So I I don't want to be too down on what the future could look like post Giannis, but I just can't imagine that the Bucs are going to be back in this situation. So if it gets to the point where he's given you 12, 13 seasons, one title, Bucs fans certainly hoping that there's another one in the next year or two here. I don't think that you can be in a position and everyone will feel differently, but I don't think you can be in a position to say, no, 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 that's, that's really take the most difficult possible route. But I do think that he was uh, legitimately serious when he said, hey, I just want to play for a winning team. Woj did report that there was no conversation or no interaction with Giannis before this trade. They just they just hit the button and said, we're doing this trade. I think that's fascinating. But I do think that the Bucks front office definitely ticked the box when Giannis yeah. said, I want to know that the franchise wants to win. I think trading for Damian Lillard counts as showing, hey, we're invested in winning. I, uh, maybe we could talk about this to, to close the show, but do you think the Bucks are better? They're definitely different. Do you think they're better? I think that they're better mostly because it, it is felt in the past and they've won a title doing this, but yeah. it's felt in the past that there was just absolutely zero room for error. I think, I think it's challenging when 
you are a defense first team and your offense is particularly in the postseason limited, particularly in the half court. And I think it was always the scariest thing when you're coming up against Brooklyn and Kevin Durant's going absolutely crazy. Devin Booker in the NBA finals, even Jimmy Butler last year, it just felt like the Bucs needed someone else to help Giannis and he was asked to do too much. So I understand that there are question marks, particularly defensively, but I just can't wrap my head around the idea that the Bucs aren't better with Giannis and Damian Lillard and then Chris Middleton still on the roster. Yeah, I I think I feel the same way is that they will miss... Drew Holiday's defense. Yes, on on you know he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. He's um I know I'm, I know Jimmy Butler cooked him in the playoffs, but like come on, the other a hundred games he plays count. Um, so like yes. he's so freaking good, and they'll miss that right. And I think he was arguably the second best player on the team that won the title, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he's really really good. But Dame is uniquely dangerous next to Giannis, right? Like a guy that. That that Giannis can set a screen for at 35 feet and is going to command a double team, and then it's it's it you you're making a decision right. It's Giannis four on three with an advantage situation with Middleton and and, and Brook Lopez spread out, or you aren't doubling Damian Lillard, one of the great off the dribble deep shooters in the history of the sport. Like it is, it really changes the dynamic, and I think particularly what you mentioned that half court offense in the playoffs that ability I think is worth the trade-off. If say you slip from the top five defense to now you're like 12th, but in the, in the regular season, but in the playoffs, you have the ability on any given night to give the ball to some dude and let him go score. And that guy isn't also your most important defender and Giannis Antetokounmpo on the other end. And Giannis plays such a physical brand of basketball. He can wear down in the half court. Like he can wear down. Um, and, and I think it's not like every team can guard him. It's like, it's like, there's like, so I don't mean to suggest that teams like a lot of teams like figured out Giannis Antetokounmpo at all. <laughs> like they haven't, but there are certain types of teams that employ the the type of physical players that can make it tough on him. And people know, okay, this is how we want to approach it. Well, if you add someone else of Dame's caliber there and you still have the tough shot making of Middleton, the offense might just be scary good. And I think that they have the type of size and skill to mitigate some of the issues on, on, on defense for sure. There's no situation in which Damian Lillard dribbles out the clock and doesn't take a floater in the paint as the as their season ends. No situation. That ball's going up. I have no, <laughs> will it go in? We'll see. But there's no situation my man is going to be afraid to shoot it as the clock is winding down. Yeah, and look, late game offense and late shot clock offense has been problematic for the Bucs in the past. And uh, you know, I mentioned it yesterday, but the Bucs just haven't had a guy where... And, and Middleton, to be fair, but getting... Middleton the ball in a decent situation when everyone knows that he's going to be the guy is one thing when Damian Lillard can just shoot it from half court and you still watch him take that shot and you feel like it's going to go in uh, that's just a complete different level for this Milwaukee team and you've watched it for the last decade you mentioned Drew Holiday let's wrap up the show just quickly mentioning Drew here so we'll get to that next Drew Holiday much loved in Milwaukee. And this is honestly the sad thing about this trade is that it feels like the pe- the main pieces, Drew and Damian Lillard, uh, DeAndre Aiden may be a little more confusing the situation in Phoenix there, but certainly with Drew and Dame, uh, guys that feel impossible to dislike. And I do think that whatever happens with Drew Holiday here, 
could still shape the Eastern Conference. Certainly, if you're a Bucks fan, you're hoping he goes to the Clippers or the Warriors or something like that. You don't want him in the East. Let me ask you this. What do you think the chances are that the Miami Heat call the Blazers about Drew Holiday? Yeah, that that's I think the good news for Bucks fans is Joe <laughs> Cronin doesn't happy. even have their he doesn't even have their phone yes. number, right? He can't contact them. So it's great. It's he's like he he he'll be like oh spam risk. Yeah, I'm not picking this shit up. So yeah. he'll be <laughs> it, it um it seems so accurate like basically, you know, you mentioned it. Um the, the the Haynes report is certainly the view from the Goodwood agency and the Damon Lord and Damon Lord's camp, right? It, it appears to be very clearly coded as the the view from Dame. So painted in that light, it seems pretty acrimonious between um, the, the Portland and Miami. So I don't, I don't think that'll happen. But like, if they did offer Tyler Hero and and some picks, I think you should take the deal, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah I. I I don't, I wonder if, you know, the Blazers don't want to keep Drew Holiday for an extended period of time. So there's no way he'd be on the team after the trade deadline. But I, I wonder if because they went ahead and everyone announced the trade and, and they didn't try to expand it over the weekend or anything mm. like that, if they are comfortable saying, hey, we can wait a couple weeks on Drew, as opposed to like trying to get this done before October 2018th or whenever when the season starts. Um do you do you have other than Miami, which seems like a really good, like a legitimately great fit? Do you have any other spots where you think Drew would help that worry you even? Yeah, I mean, just if you're looking at the East, I mean, I, I don't know what the package looks like. I know there's some draft capital there, but the Boston Celtics probably a team you don't want him to right. go to. I, I would suggest so. That's if you're a Bucks fan, that's probably the the way you're looking at. Uh, but yeah, Miami, if something was to happen there, and then you have Drew Holiday and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. A pretty terrifying defensive team. And we've seen the battles between Drew Holiday and Damian Lillard in the past. And he it, locks him up. Fun. It's been he locks fun probably for, for both sides. So yeah. I, I think, yeah, if you, if you sent Drew out west, it would be interesting. We see the Warriors mentioned a lot. Uh, what does this Chris Paul situation then look like if he doesn't even end up on the Warriors? That feels hard to fathom. Yeah, I can't imagine they do that. I, I they like he would be, he'd be. Um, there'd be some real, they could put out some really good defensive lineups if they were to get Drew Holiday for, for a Chris Paul package. Uh, seems seems unlikely. The, I, the Clippers could get involved. I don't know what the Clippers mm. could possibly send the Blazers that they want. Like, return of Robert Covington on a new contract. The corpse of Marcus Morris, like, uh, and a draft pick in 2028. Like, I guess that's cool, <laughs> like, but it's yeah. it's not it's not super appealing. So, I, I wonder, you know, maybe there's maybe Philly gets involved and there's multiple teams, but Philly doesn't want to trade Tyrese Maxey, so it's tough. Like, I, I think the Blazers will find a taker of sorts because Holiday is like you like he's he's just going to help any good team. Um, but but the money matters. Like thirty five million dollars is not easy in the modern NBA just to move. It's not the old. It's not the NBA of last year where there were three teams in the league who went into the season carrying twenty million dollars in cap space and said, "Yeah, come give us, the, come like offload whatever crap you want here. We'd be happy to take it." Like the league rules have changed such that moving big money means you have to take back at least something, which makes like the I think Boston's package viable, right? Because if they're willing to pay and they got can you know get out from under Malcolm Brogs and maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the direction they go. Last one I got for you. And we'll wrap this up uh, in 
again, this is maybe something Bucks fans will face over the next four, five, six years, however long it is. Really a fresh start at New Era. So soon after this has happened, and you know, clearly you've prepared yourself that a trade like this was coming through at some point. Are you excited to watch a younger Blazers team or where do you sit now uh, so close to the season? Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I think um, one of the things that I was, I was, I was kind of pushing after this trade was like, I don't know that it was like a great trade, but I do think the team is more fun. Like, I think like e- even if DeAndre Ayton is like wildly overpaid, the money doesn't really matter on a bad team as much as it matters on good teams. But like Scoot Anderson, Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, kind of the forgotten man in some ways in this, mm. along with a young 25 year old center who can really pl- who can really play on offense, and, and DeAndre Ayton has a lot of offensive skills. Like the team's gonna be fun. They might win twenty eight games or something like that. <laughs> they might yeah. they might struggle. This might be a you know they could lose sixty games this year. I don't think it's their their depth is just really uh, challenging. They don't have a lot of uh, of quality NBA players uh, in the back half of the rotation. So they might struggle. But I think this is why I kind of wanted the the saga to be over. I'm ready to see what Scoot Henderson looks like. I'm ready to see what thirty five minutes over thirty some minutes of Shane Sharp looks like. Mm-hmm. And it is easier to root for a bad team with low expectations than what the Blazers have been the last two years, which is a bad team with moderate expectations. Um, It'll just be freeing to root for a good or a bad team that if they do well, they just overachieve. And it's like, Oh, thank goodness. And to watch them do it with the young guys is so, is just so much easier. Um, It doesn't mean that it works, but it will be at least Mm -hmm. in year one, easy to stomach. Yeah, the Scoot era, which, by the way, I do think the Blazers are going to be an interesting team to watch this year for everyone on League Pass because of those uh, young players that you also referenced as well. Uh, Mike, we appreciate the time today. It's been a a fascinating 24 hours, and and I'm not sure that three days ago I would have predicted that we would have been doing this crossover podcast, but, uh, yeah, big day across the NBA. Like I said, at the top, make sure you... Uh, support uh, both Locked On Bucks and Locked On Blazers because I think it's still the next week. The fallout is going to continue. It's going to be fascinating on both shows. So we appreciate the support uh, for myself and Mike. Enjoy the weekend. Take a deep breath. Catch you all next week.